0: series win against the New York Yankees. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. Guys, what a series. What a weekend. Um, Obviously, two out of three, the Blue Jays take in New York,
1: and um, it was just a spectacular series, opening day weekend. Nothing beats that, and
0: uh, it's good to see the Blue Jays back on. Yeah, I feel like this was kind of like the best case scenario, right, Jacob?
2: Exactly. It It was an awesome series. I think the one thing that I should say is uh, somebody needs to tell me that this is not the American League uh, Division Series because I, my heart rate was constantly above 150 watching those games, but <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. It was enjoyable. It was it was awesome to watch.
0: Yeah, that first game, I mean, like the two following games, I feel like they weren't as exciting, but opening day, you got the opening day jitters, but then you also have the fact that, you know, it was tied 2-2. You have some crazy base running going on in the ninth. You have some incredible defensive plays. You have the Blue Jays scoring and and you know winning in the top of the 10th. It was a crazy game. And bottom line, all weekend, we had some awesome things going on with the Blue Jays. It was really great to see. The first thing I want to talk about is kind of how unexpected this series was. Because I feel like going into it, we know the weakness of the Blue Jays is obviously the starting rotation. We know the weakness of the... The Yankees is a starting rotation and the bullpen right now while they're missing a couple guys in their bullpen. Pitching is a weakness of both these teams. And I don't think we went into this series expecting a grand total of 17 runs being scored total um, over the three games. So that was... I, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it, it it meant that the series didn't go the way I thought it would. I'm happy the Blue Jays came up 2-1. to one. Um, You know, I'm happy that the pitching showed up and so far the rotation has been exactly what you want it to be I was just really surprised by that
2: I'll be honest I was extremely surprised about the rotation because with Ryu we know what we're getting but when you look at Ross Stripling he he obviously he didn't last as long he had three and a third in his in his first start with three earned runs but I wouldn't say that that was absolutely a terrible start because you know just the amount of runs he, sc- he allowed was just equal to the amount of innings that's why his ERA is a little high but I think he in his next start could easily go four or five, potentially six. Uh, he was good, especially with T.J. Zoik. four scoreless. He was, he was fantastic. He he couldn't qualify for the for the win today because he didn't pitch five, but starting rotation was fantastic, uh, or at least it was a lot better than I expected it to be. And the offense was great. I mean, you see Guerrero, you see Simeon, you see uh, Grichik. You know, they're all starting to hit home runs, and it was all in all just a a very fun series and and a very a very good way to open up the season.
1: It was, um, yeah, Jacob. Your heart rate being high, yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> great way to start the season off. Especially that Thursday game. That definitely was the uh, my favorite game of the series. And there was just a lot of ups and downs. Uh, the Jays and the Yankees going back and forth, and of course the game eventually went into extras where the Jays prevailed uh, in the 10th inning. So lots of takeaways, uh, lots of notables. It's just, uh, like, let's start with the starting rotation, of course. Hunjin Ryu, uh, Jacob, you summarized it perfectly. You, you know what you're getting out of him. He was dominant. Well, he was pretty good. He was dominant at times as well. He looked good overall. And uh, Ross Stripling, you know, didn't pitch too too much, but he was, um, you know, he also threw a lot of pitches. But uh, TJ Zoic as well today. He looked pretty good in his four innings. And, um, you know, after that, uh, the bullpen as well, I was. uh a little bit impressed with as well. I know there was a a few hiccups. You know, people like Jordan Romano in the Thursday game didn't seem like he had his stuff. His slider seemed a little bit off. But then, of course, uh, throughout the series, he got better, uh, him. And then uh, Rafael Dolis had a little bit of um, a few hiccups. And that's where I want to center this around, the bullpen. Because because of all spring, uh, we've been talking about who's going to be the closer with Kirby Yates gone. And one guy that all three of us failed to mention, and somebody that everyone forgot about because he was injured for part of the spring and he came... Uh, back closer to the end was Julian Merriweather. How about him uh, coming out and recording two saves over the weekend? On Thursday, he struck out the side. And then, of course, today on Sunday, he struck out two in his one inning. And uh, he was dominant. He looked really good. And if he keeps going the way he is right now, there's no reason to not or to. Stop giving him opportunities to close because right now um, he came out this week and definitely the most notable uh, pitcher from my um, my my perspective and a pretty pretty much everyone, especially for his numbers who back that up. So for him, a great start. Uh, Marcus Semyon had a great game as well um, on the f- Saturday game. Uh, he homered. He's stolen. Ba- he stole bases, and of course the Thursday game on opening day, he made a spectacular diving grab. So lots of notables from him. Marcus Semyon, somebody I highlighted. Vladimir Gro Jr., what a series from him as well. Wow. Um he was, you know, Thursday as well, walking twice. He's and then of course um his home run he hit on the Sunday, which was today, going opposite field. He looked really good. And uh, this is the guy that we've been, you know, talking about all spring, saying that this is the year for him to finally break out. And even uh, we were discussing his spring dormers uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were wondering if, if we can take anything away from this. And I think clearly, based on the result this weekend, there is something to take away from. And he looks good, he's in shape. Um, you know, some of the plays he was making at first base as well. I know a, a couple plays his foot went off the bag, but he was stretching everywhere, doing the splits, and he, he looks good, uh, potentially from his weight loss, but uh, it definitely helps him. Uh, you know defensively and that's somebody that I've really been impressed with some other guys you know getting off to slower starts, someone like Bo Bichette but I'm not too concerned about him I'm sure he'll find his ground and I'm sure everyone agrees with that one so uh, lots of takeaways Randall Gritchick as well had a pretty good um, weekend because somebody who we've wondered what his role would be once George Springer is back and healthy but uh, he's he's another one who had a really good weekend so lots of notables and um, you know Obviously, a sweep would have been the perfect way to cap it off, but I think you know coming out of New York, winning two out of three is pretty good to start the year, especially with the team who is um, you know has history of losing opening days quite frequently. So it was very interesting and very cool to see, and kind of odd to see them coming out and starting one and zero. But you know, two and one, the road trip continues. They have a bunch of games this week. They're going to be heading to Texas uh, firsthand. They have a three game series. Down in a full um, a full capacity sold out crowd in Texas uh, starting on the Monday night. So um, a great start to the Blue Jays uh, road trip and uh, it continues and lots of good takeaways from it for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say that Julian Merriweather like came out of the blue because we all know who he could be like we all know what he was at points last year. But you look at it like it was questionable whether he would make the roster on opening day because of injuries um, because he hadn't really totally ramped things up in spring so I think he did kind of come out of the blue we weren't expecting him to be thrown into the fire like he was in the 10th inning of the game against the Yankees like the Blue Jays were relying on him to get those three outs not give up a, a run and I mean you mentioned it he was fantastic like he struck out the side almost an immaculate inning on Thursday and then in today's game he comes out he's throwing 100 miles an hour and then going back to Thursday's game, he was throwing 100 miles an hour and 78 miles an hour and just totally unhittable. And, you know, I tried to pick him up on my fantasy team today and he was already gone. Another team already claimed him. Sadly, I should have gotten to that earlier. But, you know, it was just fantastic. I don't think anyone expected that to be a bright point out of the opening series, but it certainly was.
2: Guys... The Josh Donaldson trade's looking a lot better now, isn't it? Yes, it is. I saw, actually, it was interesting. I saw on Instagram, uh, there was an account that had, uh, on their story, it was uh, a link to one of their posts from 131 weeks ago, and it was a post that said, uh, Julian Merriweather was the player to be named later. And so I looked at the comments, and all of the comments from uh, over 100 weeks ago were basically people trashing Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, saying, this is a garbage trade. How how dare you get rid of our MVP for some pitcher we've never heard of, and... I saw a few comments from that day saying, "Well, wow, look at this! This is not what we expected, and it's just it's it's an absolutely fantastic thing." And but yeah, it's just it's an interesting way to see uh, how his season has started, and especially considering he was one of the last two guys to get a bullpen spot. But I'm very excited with what I've seen from him. Uh, one thing I did want to say is uh, I noticed you guys talked about it earlier with Jordan Romano. His slider was not very good in the opening game. Uh, You saw, I think it was against Aaron Judge, he was so hesitant to throw him a fastball, but he just continuously threw sliders, and I believe it was a 3-2 count that he had him on, and most of those balls were from the breaking pitches. He finally did throw him a a fastball, and he blew it right by him, and so I'm not sure how much we can say, I mean, he's going to work on things. I think he will still be a very elite pitcher, but yeah, it's just, I I guess going into the season... I didn't expect many jitters or many things that still needed to be ironed out. But I guess that's where we are. And I'm not worried about Jordan Romano or Rafael Dolis. I think they're going to rebound just fine and, and be the pitchers that we've expected them to be. On top of some guys that have now proven to be elite on top of them.
1: For sure. And, you know, it's something similar to going back to, I guess, last opening day. is Dolis had a shaky start as well. So maybe that's just something... Um... You know, something that's um, a coincidence or not, but of course it is the overreaction for the opening weekend. And yeah, people who are writing anything off like that, it, it, Dolis will be fine. He will be fine. And him and Romano as well. Romano will be a lot sharper. Merriweather, pretty sharp. And, um, you know, we, you head into a series now where you've seen TJ Zoic pitch, you've seen Hunter Ray, you've seen Ross Stripling, and now... Uh, tomorrow or Monday in Texas, you see Steven Matz. And of course, on Tuesday, it is diesel truck season. So, uh, <laughs> you know, a few more things to kind of see how it plays out. But um, yeah, I, I'm just, I was really impressed with the way this team played. And this lineup looks scary. And not everyone is even clicking yet. But, you know, they are doing, they had a decent opening weekend for sure. Obviously, not the greatest, but they weren't horrible. And, um, you know, some people stuck uh, stuck out, like we have mentioned already, and some people still got to get going. But uh, once this team kind of comes, you know, fully together offensively, I think it's going to be a force to be wrecking with. And pitching, you know, who knows how it's going to start. We know people like Robbie Ray or Nate Pearson are getting closer, which we'll talk about later on. But um so far the in three starts it's been decent so uh, nothing too concerning at all pretty much right now and a lot of good things to take away from but an open you know an exciting opening weekend our first really real opening weekend since 2019 so mm-hmm. it definitely feels good to have baseball back in in april so um you know i just can't wait and all the excitement and all the talking from the off season is finally past us so we're now we're um, we're into a 2021 regular
0: season which is very um very exciting Okay, last thing I want to touch on on the pitching before we move to kind of the offense and defense, which you alluded to, Bryson. Um, We did see, at least in Thursday's game, in Saturday's game, a little bit of a different approach in terms of pitching management from Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays. At least on Thursday, they let Hyunjin Ryu get into, I think it was the 7th. Did he record an out in the 7th? Which was, you know, insane. (laughs) You know, opening day. Of all days, for a pitcher to go deep into a game when they aren't totally stretched out, that was encouraging to see. I think we've talked about that before. The Blue Jays need to shift more of the pitching load onto their starters instead of their relievers. But then today, in today's game, TJ Zoic, he's cruising along. He's given up three hits, one walk over four innings, and they pull him from the game, even though he's only at 63 pitches. So that's the kind of move that we wanted to see the Blue Jays no longer make because they need to rely less on their bullpen and more on their starting pitching. But it seems like that philosophy hasn't totally changed. You know, maybe it's just kind of they're shifting a little bit like TJ Zoic, he was cruising, but you know, third time through the lineup, that type of thing. But that's one thing I'd like to see them do differently. I'd like them to rely more on TJ Zoich on their starters than giving you know five innings in a game to the bullpen. Kind of worked out because you relied on Trent Thornton a bit. You had some incredible outings out of the bullpen from Ryan Brucky, Merryweather, as we mentioned. Romano today was good, um, but I don't think that's sustainable over the long term. Even though the bullpen is deep, I think they should have kept Zieg in longer.
2: Yeah, I I can't disagree with you at all. I think the Blue Jays... See, the thing is, I'm a little bit conflicted. I I don't mind using your bullpen a little bit more, but at the same time, you cannot do what you did last year and have an absolute collapse towards the end of the season where guys are just overworked and yet... I think they had two games where they allowed 20 runs or close to 20 runs, so you don't want that, especially in a long season, and especially in a season where you're expected to compete and you need to be on your game the entire time, so... With Ryu, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I was surprised to see him go out into the, uh, into the, I think it was the sixth inning or the seventh inning, whatever it was. But he, I, I was surprised he was still cruising. TJ Zoic was great today. Yesterday, uh, it was Ross Stripling. I think th- the thing with him is his walks were up or his strikeouts and his walks were up. He had two walks and five strikeouts. So that's going to elevate the pitch count. But still, again, I, I think relying on your bullpen is fine now. But it's not sustainable, therefore it's not good in the long run. So the Blue Jays, I, I think they need to really realize that okay, you have a good bullpen, but you're gonna have a very bad bullpen if you use them all right now, and if you use them in times when your starter should be pitching. And I think what they need to do is you remember what Dan Shulman said a couple weeks ago. Just watch the game, see what's going on. And if your pitcher is cruising, he's doing well, let him continue. Just because it's the third time throughout the order there are stats to back that up why maybe you should take the guy out, but just because it is the first or the third time throughout the order doesn't mean he's automatically out. So I guess I would just like to see some more intuition from the Blue Jays and say, okay, our pitchers are doing well. We'll leave them in. If we're starting to feel as if, okay, games uh, you know might be getting out of hand or if whatever they start thinking, then make a change. But don't just say, okay, third time throughout the order. Uh, he, he's faced this guy already. Now he's out, i I just I, it's not sustainable and I think that's the the main reason why I, I it, it it can't happen anymore
1: yeah for, first of all Hyunjin Ryu going past the fifth inning was um you know something that we didn't see quite a lot we did see him pitch six innings but yeah him going into the seventh as well something we didn't see until like his last start of the year last year so something that kind of well we weren't really used to it so it was kind of interesting to see that right away in game one and you figure it would be like that especially in game one of the uh the season but it wasn't, but then when you look over to uh Saturday's game with Ross Stripling, the thing is too, there's some pitchers or no sorry, some managers in that situation leave Ross Stripling in longer. I thought uh Montoyo came out and I thought he You know, he didn't pull him. I guess he kind of gave him a short leash, but I feel like, you know, there could be situations from other managers where you leave a pitcher in like that and try and make him work through it. Montoyo did not hesitate and went to the bullpen very fast. And then we saw the same thing in Sunday's game, which was today. But uh, the only thing I can think of with the reasoning behind it was maybe they don't fully trust TJ Zoik yet. You know, it was his first start of his career. But on the other hand, you did choose him to be in your rotation. So, you know, you got to give him some sort of. Uh, you know, I guess um, a, a longer leash. But the thing, too, was Zoic, and I thought Buck Martinez made a, a great point. Uh, I think it was in the second inning or third inning he was telling, or he was saying how the fact that, you know, someone like the Yankees or even any other team in this case that don't know Zoic, Zoic well you know, he should be being he should be aggressive and attacking them. Not uh, you know, cause he did have an early lead after the three runs all came in the second. And he was saying how, you know, just because you have a big or an early 3-0 lead, don't try and be conservative right away. Go right after them, especially because they don't know you too well. So maybe that could have paid off if Zoik went farther than four innings, but the only other explanation I can get is due to matchups or due to I guess a lack of trust or numbers beyond certain points for TJ Zoik from the Blue Jays is why they did that but you know you don't want to you don't you don't want the uh, to burn the bullpen out of course and we saw that last year because during i think it was about halfway to just or just past halfway is when the bullpen started going on fumes and a lot of people were concerned of how the management of the bullpen was uh, going on And even today, we already had one move. The first move of the season for relievers was that Tommy Malone was added to the roster and Joel Pamps was um, optioned back to the taxi squad. So, you know, that's already move number one for the bullpen. And, of course, it's many more to come. But people for TJ Zoic, you know, you wonder... How different it would have been if he stayed in. Obviously, today it worked out really well, but of course, in a situation where, for instance, the Jays lose the lead, you're going to look back at that even more and say, You should have left him in. So it's just, um, it's really early on for that to happen. And there's going to be situations uh, like it happens on throughout the rest of the year and even a few times this month before we head into May. But the one thing for Zoic as well, this could have, e- there's a chance this could be his last start because Robbie Ray, we know, is progressing well and he doesn't have a firm timetable, but it sounds like he's getting close. So at any given point in time, uh, Robbie Ray, when once he comes back, that could be the end for Zo- could be the end for Zoik. So you wonder if he will get another start. I guess the Jays would be monitoring this kind of on a start to start basis. I think he's earned another start if Robbie Ray isn't healthy or not ready by the second time through the rotation. But yeah, interesting to see how Hunchen Ryu, um, you know, pitched a little bit longer and had a little bit more of a leash, especially because of someone who was pulled very early last year. Even though he's their ace, the Jays were very conservative with him. And today, uh, it was very short after forwarding, so must be some sort of trust thing, but either or, interesting to see how the Jays started off on a different approach, and then kind of reverted back to their original
0: approach, or something we saw in 2020 as games two and three uh, went on. Yeah, maybe they're just, you know, having a conversation with Ryu and saying, you now have our trust, we'll put you deeper into games, but that same philosophy doesn't extend to other guys, especially, like, you know, considering the fact that it is TJ Zoik, like, Going in, I honestly didn't expect much out of Zoik. I thought he was going to give up at least a pair of runs, if not more. Be taken out after, you know, three and a half, four innings. So, I think the expectations there are different. And maybe that's why the Blue Jays made the decision they did on opening day. But, anyways, let's turn now to the defense first before we get to the offense. Because the defense, I think, caught a lot of eyes this weekend. It was really impressive. Right, the Blue Jays have to do the small things better, right? They 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 do have big problems in the pitching staff. They have fixed problems in the offense, but if they want to get to that next level, the next step that they can do within this season without acquisitions is a limiting walks on the pitching staff, but also Improving the defense, doing the small things, right? It's not Vladdy ranging over to get a round ball when no one's going to be covering first. It's doing the small things to improve on the defense, and I think we saw that in this series. Vladdy, for one, you mentioned Bryson, him doing the splits in yesterday's game. He was very, very impressive on the field. I think we liked that a lot. We saw a lot of impeccable plays up the middle and even at the corners with... Um, Biggio and I mentioned Guerrero we saw Simeon range deep into the hole and save a run on opening day we saw Bichette make a couple amazing turns we saw an incredible double play Biggio of course in the ninth inning of opening day coming in, throwing home getting Mike Talkman coming home which again, don't understand why he was running at all but still it was the defense that saved the runs for the Blue Jays and in the case of opening day won the game for the Blue Jays so I guess does this surprise you at all? Is it just encouraging? Are we reading too much into it? Is it maybe just, you know, the way the ball was being hit in, you know, the infield off the Yankees' bats? Or is this something that we're going to see more consistently? And how encouraged by it are you?
2: I don't think that it's surprising because I kind of expected their defense to get better. And when you look at last season, it was not very good. There were plays plays that should have been made or uh, intuition plays that just didn't go the Blue Jays' way. And, and this... I can't even say this season because we're only three games in, but so far it looked as if what they were doing was a lot better and they knew what they were doing. And when you talk about that, Mike Talkman playing game one, he should not have been running. I would be very angry if I was Aaron Boone, but Kevin Biggio made a very good heads up play straight to home plate. Danny Jansen tagged him out. Uh, We saw with Marcus Simeon, as you mentioned in game one, he stole a run or he saved a run at least. Uh, Today on Sunday, he he stole what looked to be a double from Aaron Judge. He, He ran up uh, he jumped and ran and stole a, a, a very hard hit ball from him. Uh, I, I think Vladdy's been stretching a lot and it's it's showing he's more athletic and it again you know he's been losing weight and he's he's definitely he looks more, he looks more athletic and I think that's the biggest thing. So I think this team is just very dialed in. They I've heard so many times throughout the first three broadcasts that Marcus Simeon really helps this team become more of a professional team and they're, he's really taking them to the next level defensively. And I think to a degree that is very true. You now have a guy with severe major league experience on your roster that can work with everybody and plan things out. And I think we've just seen a lot of heads up plays and I think a lack of hesitation on the on on the defensive side because, you know, that double play with the bases loaded in game one, that was turned flawlessly. And yeah, maybe that's a routine play, but it, it might not have been a routine play last year. And I think the defense has definitely been a lot better. Uh, Danny Jansen... I think, you know, he's the, he's the catcher we expect him to be. He's a good defensive catcher. Uh, so it's just, I think what we're seeing here, to to sum it up, I think for, for everybody, what we're seeing here is a team with more major league experience, and a team that has really gone through the struggles and ironed out their kinks, and now that they are a team with some experience, with some guys brought on, we haven't even seen, seen Springer yet. I mean, the outfield's a whole different story, but I think the outfield is still very good, but we're seeing a team that is now more experienced, and... Is experiencing less hesitation they they know what needs to happen they seem very dialed in and they seem they seem ready to hit to to make plays and I think that is the biggest difference from last season we did not see that I think what we saw was a team that had potential and that had the ability to get guys out but I don't know the best way to put it maybe they just weren't prepared I, I don't know we just we're seeing a team that is is much more that is much more precise with what they're doing and it's I think this is something that we'll see for the rest of the season because I think this is the this is the roster that we're going to see coming coming forward for the next four or five years, so it's very good sign, very happy and the defense on top of the pitching was probably the thing that I was most nervous about, but seeing that it's been very good in new york I'm excited
1: yeah, and the comparison to twenty twenty is something that I take a look at a lot because there was a lot of situations last year where the defense lost in the game, and we had a i think there was one episode where we pretty much directed the entire show or the entire topics towards the defensive play and, you know, just base running issues as well. It wasn't even just defensive issues. It was also on the base path and it was just the little things, little things. And uh, so far after three games, it's a completely different look from the defense. The team looks a little bit more disciplined and it's very encouraging to see because this, this is a team who has a lot of higher of expectations and you know a lot of people are predicting it'll be them the Yankees maybe uh Tampa but they're throwing the Jays in the conversation for the first time in a couple years to win the AL East and if not the worst case scenario could be a potential wild card spot so Lots of games are won defensively, and a lot of games are lost, and I think it's something that's overlooked by a lot of people. A lot of people don't really focus on defense as much as they should, and in this case, there are multiple plays this weekend that happened that saved the Jays, because if Marcus Semien doesn't make that diving stop on Game 2 on the Saturday, it could have been a lot different, and of course, on opening day, Kevin Biggio, if he didn't throw out Mike Talkman, or if somehow it got through they would have probably lost the game. So, you know, the fact that it was separated by that one margin of a run shows how crucial it is defensively. And it looks really good because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just looks spectacular, both hitting in the batter's box. He looks a lot more comfortable, a lot more patient. You know, I know we're talking about defense, but he looks you know, there were just lots of pitches where in 2020 you would have saw him swing compared to what you saw this weekend. But going back to the defensive part, the splits, everything about it, because last year there were certain situations or certain plays that went on where he looked lost. And um when you look at it now, he looks a lot more comfortable. He looked like a natural first baseman this weekend. So, you know, obviously the foot's coming off the bag was disappointing at some times, but the fact or the effort was there and it shows how much he really took away from a season last year where he shows up to camp out of shape for the spring training 2.0 in the summer after the 60-game season was implemented. And, of course, this year, losing weight throughout last season and into the offseason, a completely different person. And the addition of Marcus now up the middle, I think it's a really, really crucial add. And him and Bo Bichette are going to only get better from here in terms of their, I guess, their chemistry and their communication, the double plays they'll be turning. I really like the middle infield right now with Bo Bichette and Marcus Semyon and the game or the run saving stop on Saturday from him. And of course, uh, Kevin Biggio someone who can play all across the field. And if, I think one of the plays where uh, Vladdy's foot went off the bag, it was Biggio who made a really nice uh, uh throw on the run. So, you know, the arms there and the awareness is there. And this is a team that's, you know, only going to get better because of the offensive pieces. We're still, we still haven't seen George Springer yet and we're hoping we can see him by maybe at some point next weekend, but either or, uh, we know the defense he brings as well. So lots of moving pieces. Uh, there was a one play as well where I saw from the Saturday game where, uh, the Yankees—I can't remember who it was—they threw—they held a guy on third base. But uh, pretty much what I'm saying is the arm of Lord Gurriel Jr. is something that we've seen before and something that still exists in left field. And I think the outfield as well has a lot of um, a lot of good defensive attributes themselves. So something that we will see throughout the uh the course of the season. But it's just. You know, compared to last year and compared to what we've seen through three games, it's a completely different story. And I think it is something to take away from that significant because of these reasons, because of the importance of playing defensively and being able to communicate and all of that around the field. Because lots of games last year, as I mentioned, were lost defensively. And over three games this weekend, a couple of those games at least were won because of key defensive stops uh, from the Blue Jays, especially in the infield in this case.
2: One thing that I want to kind of bring people's awareness to, and I've seen a lot of people on social media and uh to a lesser extent, the broadcast kind of talk about how it's, I don't know. What I've seen is a lot of people have been saying that Guerrero, those slides or, or those stretches are, are basically on him. You know, he's he's a bad defender. He's not staying on the bag. he's He doesn't have an awareness. And I just want to tell people that the plays that he was stretching were hard plays that were bang, bang at first place. He needed to be as close to that ball as he could be, where you mentioned with the throw with Biggio. I think there was also one with Bichette where... He needed to be as stretched out as he could and accidentally his foot slipped off. I think those were just two two plays that were very difficult to make, even for an all-star first baseman. Those would have been difficult. So to the people thinking that Vladdy is not a good first baseman because of those stretches, just realize that those were bang-bang plays that he, it was either he was going to catch it or it, it was not even going to get to his glove in time. So it's just, it, I'm not too worried about it because like I said, it was, those were two plays where... The, anyone, those were a coin flip, in my opinion. Those were just ones where th- the throw was just barely in time or not in time. But Guerrero tried his best to get it, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it, it, he'll only get better from here. At yeah. least they weren't mistakes where that you can say, "Oh, well, you should have done this differently." There, there's really nothing you can do when the guy's foot is literally going to get the to the bag at the same time that the ball is going to get into your glove.
0: Yeah, would have been safe. Like if he hadn't stretched for it, the bat, the runner would have been safe anyway. So. Might as well stretch. Try to keep your foot on the bag. If you don't, you know, oh, well, who cares? The runner's going to be safe anyways. Um, And people also should remember, like, Vladdy is 22. This is, like, his, you know, whatever, 61st start at first base in his career. Now 63 if you go to today. So it's, like, give him a break. He's still learning. And from what we've seen, he is doing very well this season. So I don't think anyone should be ribbing tearing or ribbing on Guerrero for his defense. And I mean, he's one of the standout offensive names. He walked twice, had a hit in the opening day game. He had a home run today. He had a hit in yesterday's game as well. So he's been one of the standouts offensively. For the Blue Jays. I think he's my number one pick in terms of offense. I don't know who else has stood out to you guys in the lineup. I have one name that I want to bring up later that I've been disappointed by, but we'll get to that in, I guess, kind of the, the flip side of things, the bad side of things that we'll talk about. But on the bright side of things, who has stood out to you besides, I guess, who we just talked about, Guerrero?
2: I think Teoscar Hernandez has actually looked pretty good. Uh, he has, so far one home run which I believe was in the first game of the season but in 12 at-bats he's hitting 333 with a on-base percentage of the exact same thing and he's just I think he's looked very good there's been a few plays where he had a pitch uh, I think was a breaking ball or a couple breaking balls down in a way that he was swinging at which if you go back to 2018-2019 were the things that he needed to work on and were the things that were really negatively influencing his game but I think he was still pretty good uh he does have four strikeouts like I said with those uh down and away breaking balls, but I still like what I saw out of him. I think he was good. Um, aside from that, I, I think that's probably, it. I mean, most of the guys have, it, I think it's really hard to make predictions or, or judgments off of three games because, you know, in the first game, I think it was Bo Bichette, uh, Marcus Simeon, and Kevin Biggio went, went combined over for 14. So that's going to drastically influence their, their batting average and their stats throughout the first three games. But I like what I saw out of Teoscar Hernandez, and especially Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Randall Gritchick, If you want to throw that in, he's he's had some very timely hits for the team.
1: That is somebody who is my one of the key players who I was impressed with this week, and was Randall Grichik because of the fact that his whole situation and role is question or up in the air with uh, George Springer on the way back. So it's something that's going to have to be addressed uh, within the next couple of weeks, maybe hopefully within or less than a week, just because we want to see George Springer back. So if you know Gritch if the you know the start he had this weekend if this continues throughout the Texas series because i think Springer for sure is ruled out by then in terms of the days i believe it's the thursday or friday home opener in dunedin where he's eligible to come off the injured list around then if gritchit continues to play the way he did this weekend you know they're going to have to force their hand and find ways to keep him in the lineup does that mean I guess him rotating at DH with someone like Teoskar in and out of the field and keeping Vladdy at first base, Mark, maybe that's relates to someone that you're disappointed with. I guess there's a few options, but you know, in terms of where people can uh, be impacted in the, in the lineup because of that, uh, that, that's remains to be seen. But if Randall Grichik continues to play well, like he has, because he had a couple doubles and of course the home run he had today on the Sunday they're going to have to they're going to have no choice but to keep him in the lineup. So, they're going to have to be creative and filter people throughout DH and the right field spot, left field spot. Maybe George Springer comes back as a DH for the opening games, but that impacts a few people in the infield as well. So, that's the one thing I uh, take away from, but you know, other than that, it was good to see. I guess it's not really a notable, it was just good to see Alejandro Kirk today. Um I thought he played I thought he played well. He had a walk even though uh, he was he didn't do too much today. I thought he looked Good and it was good to see Alejandro Kirk because he's he's become a fan favorite very fast on this team and uh, that's another guy I'm going to look out for in terms of once he gets going and if he outperforms Danny Jansen, how does that shift the starting catching? I know we've talked about that before, but when the time comes, if that happens, I think that should be addressed next. But yeah, Randall Grichik this weekend. Hey, Oscar Hernandez, as, uh, as Jacob you mentioned, had a great home run and a uh, it was a he he crushed it on Saturday. Uh, a very nice home run to left field, he got right on top of it. I think it was a high-breaking ball where Klu- Kluber missed, and it was one of his final pitches before he was pulled out of the game. So, uh, Randall Grichik is someone that uh, is a highlight to me, other than uh,
0: Vladimir Groot Jr. this weekend. Mm-hmm. And one more name, before I become Debbie Downer and, you know, rip on the Jays, one more name is Marcus Simeon. I mean, like, he his aggregate stats aren't great. He didn't do well on Thursday, and he didn't do great today, but in between on Saturday, like... I think we mentioned it before, but he had an incredible game. He had a home run, a single, two RBI, a walk, and then two stolen bases. Like, that was just off the charts. If he can, you know, do anything like that regularly, that's perfect. So, he's the last name that stood out to me. And then, unfortunately, yes, some of the names that... Or one of the names that I was disappointed with, Bryson, you're right on. um, It is Kevin Biggio. I'm very disappointed in what we saw from him this weekend. Again, it's not like I'm like, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm not ringing the bell saying, oh, BGO's over, BGO's trash. I just want to make that clear. It's just he did have a disappointing start to the season. We know he's trying to be more aggressive at the plate, but we also know he's someone who is supposedly has a very good eye at the plate, takes a lot of walks, takes a lot of balls. Um, we didn't see that this uh, this weekend, and I think the aggressive approach that he's trying to institute overtook perhaps some of the better parts of his plate discipline because he struck out a lot. He struck out five times this weekend. Um, he only had one hit, which was on Saturday, um, a single, and, you know, three strikeouts opening day, two strikeouts Saturday, five strikeouts total, like I mentioned. That's just the scary part. Like, it's, it's not that he's not getting hits. Like, that's going to come with time. It's just the strikeouts that I'm a little bit worried about. Again, like, It's overreaction Sunday on this podcast. Like, we're going to overreact about anything because we're three games in and we're trying to find whatever we can talk about because we're excited to watch baseball. But I am concerned about the five strikeouts. Good thing is he didn't strike out today. So I guess that's one positive. Um, Again, not worried about the lack of hits. That's going to come with time. It's just strikeouts, hearing about this aggressive plate approach. I'm worried that it's hurting his plate discipline at the same time.
2: Mm -hmm. I think an aggressive plate approach is not a bad thing. Except for when it's costing you, and like you said, with five strikeouts, that is not good. Uh, he did face Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber, so I mean, we might want to have that or hold that to some emphasis. You know, two very good pitchers, uh, but still, you know, you you do expect more from from a guy hitting at the top of your order. Same thing with Bichette and Simeon. I mean, I don't want to rip on those two guys. I don't really want to rip on anybody, but you know, the top of the order was definitely not doing a lot for the Blue Jays, and. I think that cost them, sort of. Uh, they did get performances out of Grichik and, and Teoscar Hernandez and Vladdy, And it was really good. They were re- very good. Uh, but there were some definite uh, things that did not look the greatest. Another one that that I wanted to mention was Rowdy Teles because he has eight plate appearances or eight at-bats, I should say, in this three-game season so far, three strikeouts and no hits. So doesn't look very good. You know, he, he was, he DH'd and that's all he did, he, he didn't play in the field, and when you have a DH that isn't hitting, that's, that is very, very concerning, and I don't want to overreact, but George Springer is coming back, hopefully, in a couple of days. Randall Gritchick might have to be your DH if you want to keep Teoscar Hernandez in the field, because he's getting in the lineup no matter what, and it should, again, it's it's a three-game season, I'm overreacting, or it's been three games so far, I'm definitely overreacting, but Throughout this small sample size, there are already things that I can nitpick and say. Okay, these need to be a lot better, or else some guys are not getting in the lineup, or even if they're in the lineup, then this season could be very, very concerning to watch.
1: There's plenty to nitpick about, absolutely, and uh, yeah, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, if Grichik continues to play well, it could impact someone like Rowdy Teles, who might have to be out of the lineup uh, for a little bit and see how it plays out with Randall Grichik. But um, you know, for that, it's just with um, Kevin Bejo, you know, you don't want to. See him completely change his game because we've seen this so many times with players who are trying to readjust their game or change their style of play, and it completely, I guess, over like I don't even know how to explain it, other than it makes them worse and it makes them it takes them away from focusing on what they've been good at and you know just everything about their game and uh, their current mindset. So, Kevin Biggio, yeah, the the five strikeouts this weekend was concerning, and um, for someone like him, you hope that he can go back to you know as much as he wants to be more aggressive, just to remember the player he is and the approach that he usually has, because the the high walk rate is what brings his OPS up. And, you know, in his two years now of being in the MLB, his OPS has been above 800. So good for him for that. But either or, that's the kind of the player that you see out of Cabin Bijou and you don't want the strikeouts to pile up because it's the worst thing you can do in this game as much as strikeout rates are, I guess, higher than or continue to increase each year. But for someone like him, definitely a little bit concerning. And Rowdy Tellez was another one who I was a bit um, disappointed with. Just because, as well, from Rowdy Tellez, looking back at his spring numbers, he didn't have a very good spring either during, the, uh, during spring training. So, you know, heading into the season, he was already cold as it was. And you don't want to see this pile on. And you hope that within these next couple weeks... He can start getting to getting going because he was a very key asset to their lineup last year in the abbreviated season. So, and Kevin Biggio, the starting third baseman, as as of now, somebody who can move around and someone that you are expecting to be in your lineup every day. Um, he can hit. Top of the order, middle, bottom. you can put him through anywhere at the order. Lots of people have different preferences for where he is. But, uh, you know, you hope that he goes back to his usual ways and the ways that, and, you know, from what you remember from Kevin Biggio for the player he is. And you don't want him to get too overwhelmed with a new strategy like that and completely overhaul his game in a negative way. So the five strikeouts were concerning. But yes, it is overreaction Sunday. And, um, you know, nitpicking is something that everyone does uh, during these first three games. So uh, hopefully next. Weekend when we record, uh, we have a completely different opinion of Cabin Biggio and even
0: someone like Rowdy Tellez. You hope to see him uh, get going soon as well. Mm -hmm. And I am like, I'm happy that he's trying new things. Like, I'm happy that he's trying to make adjustments and take his hitting to the next level. And I think he identified a weakness, which is that he took too many first pitch strikes. Pitchers were getting ahead of him. He said, I got to be more aggressive at the plate. I like that. I like that he's trying to improve. It's just, I want to see the results Better than, you know, five strikeouts in a three-game series. So, again, happy he's trying to improve, overreaction Sunday, all that kind of stuff. Another thing, perhaps, to overreact on, I don't think people have been talking about this because it's only been three games, and the Blue Jays have won two of them. But overall, the offense has blown a lot of chances. On Saturday, they had the bases loaded once, they didn't score. They had two on in the first inning, the third inning, and the eighth inning. They only scored three runs that game after having all those batters on. This is not something exclusive to the Blue Jays. The Yankees did the exact same thing in that game. But I think they blew a lot of chances. Again, I was mentioning 17 runs in a three-game series for two teams that are supposed to be the best in baseball. And we can calculate what the runs on the Blue Jays' side of things were. They had three today, three yesterday, that's six, and then three on opening day. So... That's nine runs total over a three-game series against a pitching staff minus Garrett Cole. That isn't fantastic. That maybe is a little bit of an area for concern. I know the lineup is missing George Springer. People are still getting their feet wet a little bit. That's something I think I want to keep an eye on, especially as we go to Texas, and we know they don't have a good pitching staff, so we'll see what happens there. But that's something I'm keeping my eye on. Again, don't want to overreact. Don't want to be Debbie Downer, but that's just kind of, you know, what I'm looking at this, 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 uh, this weekend.
2: I think I want to overreact oh. because I was, I was, ex- I was extremely disappointed with how game two on Saturday ended wow. because it was a five to three score today on Sunday, they won three to one. So they had the exact same amount of runs. The only difference is they had better pitching today, which is not sustainable. You can't say, I mean, you, you need good pitching to win baseball games but you also need good offense and if you leave i I think in game two on saturday they left seven on base today they left six on base that's very concerning to me yes they won one of those games but if you have this many guys on base you cannot allow them to stay on base so you you cannot end the inning that many times with absolutely nothing i think in the first inning of saturday they had two on and and one out or nobody out and then I think it was Bo Bichette hit a double play and inning was over and that's not to pinpoint and say that Bo Bichette's a bad offensive player but I think that's just an accumulation of what we saw all all, all season so far or all series and that's definitely going to need to be better obviously with George Springer he'll come back he'll be an elite player or an elite hitter so it's not something I, like I, I'm overreacting right now but I, I also understand that this is a long season and there are a lot better things that can happen, but that is definitely the one or one of the areas of concern that I noticed is that this team had its opportunities. Thankfully, they won two of the three games, but it easily could have been they lost two of those three or all of those three if the offense was not was not hitting in timely situations. And this has unfortunately been, I think, a problem that the Blue Jays have had for years, even before this group of players was here. You know, you go back to 2015-16, there were many opportunities where they just, they had the opportunities to score and they just didn't. And obviously completely different team. And, you know, this isn't 2015, but it's just, it's a thing that I've noticed throughout a very long time that the Blue Jays have surprisingly not hit as well with runners in scoring position or runners on base as I'd want them to. And considering the offense is supposed to be the, the best part of the team, I, I, I do want to see it look to hit it in more timely situations. Cause you know, a home run is good, but when they're on base or a double is good, but when there's guys on base, that's when you want to be hitting them because you need to, you, you need to drive runs in in order to, to win games.
1: I'm going to be the complete opposite of you guys and kind of take nothing away from the blown opportunities this weekend. We've already discussed a few players who had slow starts, someone like Kevin Biggio, someone like Roddy Tellez, even Bo Bichette. Um, you know, once they get going and once this team kind of fluctuates together, I think it's going to be a completely different result. And uh, until I see that, I'm still completely uh, not taking too much away from that right now. And um, I'm not concerned by it whatsoever. Because this lineup is supposed to be the, the center piece of this team. The, team or the part that's supposed to carry this team. And once they, I guess, all start getting going, I know it's impossible in baseball. But, we'll, but once more people uh, get going, because there's only a few notables this weekend. But once everyone else gets going, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different result. And the Yankees as well this weekend who's supposed to have power for letting themselves. They did the exact same thing. It was kind of a similar series offensively between the two. And, um, you know, I thought it was pretty evenly matched, uh, obviously, throughout this weekend. But the Jays came up on the upper hand, obviously. But, yeah, especially after three games, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to be concerned about it. However, if it continues over the next couple of weeks, it depends on the severity of it. If I personally would take something away from it, but, um, you know... Yeah, the the thing with baseball is it's a completely, uh, you know, it's just hard to predict because tomorrow they can come out and put up 10 runs. It's, it's very easy for that. Or they can go perfect with runners in scoring position and then the pitching can give up six runs or whatever. So it's baseball like that is funny because it's hard to predict and it could be a different result um, every game. But yeah, in terms of a team who's supposed to be built offensively, I, I won't take too much away from it. Obviously, there was a few opportunities that they had, especially the Saturday game, Jacob. It was a little bit frustrating for sure. It was just because they did have opportunities and they couldn't quite tie the game up late, and they only got on the board uh, early after the Semyon home run. I believe that's when it stopped. So, unless I'm mistaken, but either or, um, there's lots to, I guess you know, give them time, and of course, you know, a few more games here and there, and especially a weekend or a couple, a a three game series coming up in Texas. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that pans out and how we head into next weekend's home opener, away from home, against the Angels. So, um, yeah, not 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 too concerning yet.
0: Yeah, to be clear, I am not hitting the panic button. This is just something I'm keeping my eye on over the next few days. And I think it's interesting that if the Blue Jays had, you know, lost two of three or been swept, heaven forbid, but if that had happened, then we would be having a completely different conversation. And many fans would be you know, ripping on the Blue Jays for messing up with runners in scoring position, which it's a problem for every team. I feel like the the same frustrations, even if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, exist in terms of stranding guys in scoring position, stranding guys on base. It just happens as a baseball team, but it's something I like keeping an eye on. See if the Blue Jays can do the little things in terms of that a little bit better than they have in the past. Um, okay, the last thing I want to talk about about these games is is a lineup construction. I found it really interesting that Game 1, Game 2, exact same lineup. I'm not sure we ever saw that at all in 2020. We certainly didn't see it in back-to-back games. I don't know if we ever saw them rolled out the same lineup, um, even, you know, one week to another. Uh, I found it really interesting going with the exact same lineup. Not much to discuss there. They shifted it around a little bit. I like the changes Montoya made for Game 3 today. I like putting Kirk in, give Jansen a little bit of a rest period. Um, yeah.
2: The only difference, I'm actually looking at it right now. Like you said, game one and two are the exact same, but in game three today, the first six batters were the exact same. The only differences were uh, seven, eight, nine were Gritchik, Panic, and Kirk, whereas previously it was telez Gritchik and Jansen. So, I mean, not a ton to go th- with, or not a ton to, to say about that. I think the Blue Jays have. They have it set who's going to play for them every day, and I don't know. It's just it's it's a weird thing, I guess, to see that they're they've had the exact, literally the exact same lineup two days in a row. But again, I think the lineup with everybody healthy should look that way. You know, you you add uh, you add Springer in there. And there's a, a few things that are different, but yeah, they have everyday players and not not a ton to to look into there. I think it's just it's a good sign. I think the Blue Jays have the players to potentially replicate that lineup all the time and i think that's a good lineup like let's let's be honest here that's a good lineup so it's yeah not a ton but it, it i don't know it, it just seems like a really weird thing especially considering uh how i'm always somebody that wants to see this happen for some odd reason like i i just like the consistency and to actually see it it's like oh well okay that's kind of interesting
1: i agree i agree um i agree with you jacob i want to see consistency and i loved it how the uh the lineup was the same because I'm somebody who likes to keep the lineups very similar. And, of course, I play MLB The Show a lot. So it's very. Cre- I like to be mm-hmm. creative in creating a lineup. So uh, I can't wait for that to come out. But anyways, uh, you know, those first two games obviously were the same. And then, of course, today, Randall Gritchard moved up to seventh. Joe Panic slotted in at eighth at DH. And then Alejandro Kirk made a season debut. So something that, you know, I don't know how much it'll continue. Because someone like Charlie Montoyo, I think, you know, as much as we're all more eye-test He's a lot more, once more analytics come out this season, I think we'll be seeing more different approaches and him changing up the lineup card just a little bit, especially when Springer comes back. I think that it's something that's going to change, but I think it was cool to see for the first two games because you know, I can't remember the last time they actually went out with the same lineup back-to-back days because I remember waking up on Saturday, and reading the the lineup card, and you know, I thought I was crazy, but I saw the exact same thing. I was making sure I wasn't looking at the one from yesterday. So something that I wasn't entirely used to, but I thought it was really cool that that happened. And you know, as much as we're talking about the lineup now, something came up where I remembered from the Saturday game. As much as it was frustrating, I know we're gonna. I know I don't want to bring up the the only loss they had, but the uh, the question I had for you guys is, you know, is just just quickly before we move on to our next topics was. You know, late in the game, I'm sure you guys were aware that the Jays obviously were trying to tie the game. And Danny Jansen was coming up. However, he was pinch hit for uh, by Joe Panik. Uh The one question I had for you guys was, were you surprised it was Joe Panic? Did you want Jansen getting pinch hit for? And a lot of people were wondering, why isn't Alejandro Kirk getting in? What were your thoughts on that whole situation? Because I'm sure you guys kind of came across that on Saturday. I just came to remembrance now of that of... Why it was Joe Panic compared to someone like Kirk? If you if they were taking out Jansen,
2: well, I think the weird thing is is Alejandro Kirk was going to get into the game anyways because you know Joe Panic is not a catcher. So yeah, I would have put. I mean, no disrespect to Joe Panic, but I think you you got to go with your catcher, your backup catcher. I mean, I don't. I I, I just I would have liked to see Alejandro Kirk get him in there, and then you don't have to make another substitution and and and. Take you know, because then Joe Panic would be out of the game, and then you put Kirk in, and then there's another guy off the bench that you don't have. So, I I, I would have put Kirk.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I think Panic is on the roster for a reason, and this is why he's on the roster. Might as well use him for it. I'm sure there was also a little bit of you know lefty righty matchup game going on um, on the bench in terms of what Montoya was thinking. But yeah, this is what Panic is for. This is why he's on the roster. Might as well use him in that way. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Just because there was there was a lot of backlash from uh, for wondering why it was him compared to someone like Alejandro Kirk. But yeah, I guess nothing to take away from too much. I just wanted a quick quick question I had for you guys because I definitely thought it was interesting though to see that. But either way, um, a great weekend. So I don't want to I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. And continue to talk about the Saturday game when we had. I'll use your words there, Mark, <laughs> because I've heard it a few times today. But you know,
0: just take the take away the fact they went two out of three going into Texas. Above 500. The last negative thing I will say, before we move on to some positive stuff, is um, last week uh, I went on the Boys of 161st Street podcast, the Yankees podcast. They invited us on, um, and towards the end of that podcast, made a little wager with their host. We said, he, he mentioned Gary Sanchez. Yankee fans are always frustrated with Gary Sanchez. He asked someone on the Blue Jays that I was always very frustrated with. I said Danny Jansen. I love the guy, but he frustrates me to no end. We saw it with him trying to get bunts down. Like, it, it was just frustrating. I said Danny Jansen. We made the wager. Whoever gets more hits in this series, the loser of that matchup will have to... I, I think we said what our Yankees hat or Blue Jays hat on the podcast, but we don't do video on our podcast. They do video, but we don't do video. Anyways, bottom line, we lost it. Gary Sanchez, of course, he had two... Home runs, um, three hits total. He had a walk, a couple RBIs. Danny Jansen only had one hit. So it was three hits to one hit. We lost. Anyways, so I guess I just have to say I lost because we don't do video here. But a little bit disappointing there. Not yet. Perhaps in the future. Um, Anyways, check out their podcast. They got some great stuff on the Yankees. And interesting that Gary Sanchez had an incredible opening series after, you know, the Yankees were considering cutting him this offseason. But... Anyways, that's besides the point. Um, I want to mention the injuries um, on the Blue Jays and some of the updates with that. Robbie Ray is looking good to return soon. Um, Thankfully, he's progressing well. Same thing with George Springer. The Blue Jays expect him back on, I think it's Thursday, like you said earlier, Bryson, the home opener for the Blue Jays. So that's some encouraging news. Um, And then the last thing I want to mention is just something I'm really, really excited for. The series against the Angels. Um, The home opener, as we mentioned um, the 8th, the ninth, the 10th, the 11th, four-game series, we're probably going to see Shohei Ohtani, and we're probably going to see him pitching and hitting. And I could not be more excited to be able to watch that. I know I'm going to be watching the White Sox game tonight against the Angels because Ohtani is hitting and starting. Couldn't be more excited about that as a baseball fan. Yeah,
1: something with Shohei Ohtani was just that ever since
0: he's come across
1: to play in the MLB, you haven't seen him pitch consistently. Obviously, he had Tommy John, and he's always kind of been battling injuries. You've seen a lot of him hitting, but you still haven't seen that whole two-way player that he's supposed to be and someone that he was back in uh, or back overseas. So that definitely will be interesting. And for the injuries, you you want, you know, going to start with Robbie Ray, of course, uh, supposed to be one of the main pieces of this rotation. So you hope he comes back as soon as possible. And I mentioned it early on with TJ Zoic. You know, I'd like to see TJ Zoich at another start. But if Robbie Ray is ready by the next turn around the rotation, you have to imagine that uh, Zoic would possibly stay stretched out, maybe at an alternate site or stay in the bullpen. I'm not sure what they have in store for him next. But I do think at some point this year we'll see Zoic starting again, if not uh, next weekend. So I guess that one's still up in the air. And of course, for the George Springer thing, you know, a lot of people were wondering was the D- the IL stint really necessary Was it or was it fairly precautionary? And I think Saturday when we saw him taking batting practice, I think like, he looked pretty good from there. So even if it was precautionary, I still want to applaud the Blue Jays for it, regardless if you weren't able to use that new shiny toy you had on opening day. Um, you know, for someone who has dealt with or has been dealing with an oblique injury and what we've seen with the severity of it and how, I guess, how un predictable it can be because it can always kind of uh nag on and it can get worse. We saw the same thing with Teoscar Hernandez last year who missed about a month or at least a few weeks uh with it. So I want to applaud them for putting him on the injured list to start, you know, the fact that if he wasn't put on the injured list and he was playing through this, there was a chance that over the course of the season, this is something that he would have had to dealt with. And the worst case scenario is if it got worse. So the fact that he only misses six games at least, and can possibly be back next weekend, I think it's really uh, important of that because you're going to be getting him back supposedly healthy. And he's going to be that guy that's going to be in the lineup for you every day uh, at center field. So uh, I hope next weekend is when we do see George Springer. And I think, uh, well, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I really hope uh based, based on what we've seen on Saturday, I really hope it is next and when we see him because he looked pretty good on Saturday and uh, very encouraging to see him taking batting practice. So, you know, good to know that the team's getting healthy. Uh, Nate Pearson as well is progressing uh, good and on a good path. I guess he doesn't have a timetable yet either. It's same with Thomas Hatch. So, you know, as much as we had a little bit of an, an injury scare the, uh, two weeks ago, it appears that as of now the team is getting healthier and, uh, you know, cross your fingers and knock on wood that nothing severe happens uh, for the rest of the year, even though it's probably, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get into the injury game. It's just, it's something that that is dealt with across for every team, but you just want to see everyone get healthy. And hopefully by the end of the month, you know, most of these guys that we just mentioned are back, but yeah, next uh, weekend, the opening series at home in Dunedin against the Angels will definitely be interesting to see as well because I don't think the Blue Jays have ever or it's obviously been a while but not in my remembrances they've had an opening day against the Angels against Mike Trout so that'll be really cool for them to start that uh, next weekend and Mark like you said of Shohei Otani of course uh, there's Anthony Rendon as well on the Angels a lot of good pieces the Angels have a good young team they just have never uh, been able to get over that hump and um, either way next weekend will be definitely exciting but I don't want to overlook that because important three games coming up against Texas, and um, you know it's going to be the first time the Jays are going to be playing at the new ballpark in Texas, and of course, like I mentioned, right at the top, in front of a sold-out crowd.
2: Should be fun to watch, but it it does not sit right with me, knowing the state of the world right now, but anyways, I, I'm excited to, to watch baseball, mm-hmm. I've been excited to watch it for a long time, and I'm happy the Blue Jays are starting to get healthy, you know, with I think both you guys said it perfectly. The Blue Jays were very, very careful with George Springer, and I want to kind of go back to that. And maybe the the IL stint wasn't absolutely necessary, but at the end of the day, I'd rather miss six games, at worst eight to ten games, than a month, because this has just been nagging. And hey, we have him for five years or six years, five more years after this. If he misses the first few games, it's not the end of the world, and he still has five more opening days to make it to. So. With George Springer, it's unfortunate, you, you know, you obviously you want to see the best guys go on the field, but are we really, it's the opening day. I I hate to make references to other sports, but Kawhi Leonard did not play a lot in the 2018-19 season for the Raptors for the purpose of getting them a championship. So if he, if there's any potential of an injury or something that could nag, let's get it out of the way now, because the last thing you want is in the division series, the championship series, or knock on wood, the world series is to not be able to play because you're injured.
0: Your prediction, don't, don't forget that. Ever the optimist. Ever the optimist. Okay, yeah, I think the last thing I'll say, TJ Zoick, like, I think he's earned himself another, at least a spot on the roster after this. I don't think there's any way the Blue Jays can convince themselves to send him to the alternate training site. I think they just have to keep him on the roster, whether he gets another starter or whether he just becomes a bulk guy out of the bullpen. He proved that he can hold his own against one of the best lineups in baseball. So he deserves to stick around. Even as the long man, keep him on yeah. the roster. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, obviously too early to tell, but I'm
1: sure we'll be seeing him starting throughout the or throughout different points this season. But uh, pretty impressed with TJ zoich And if he does get another start next week, I would like to see him, if all goes well, pitch past the
0: fifth inning. Give him a little bit more mm-hmm. of a, um, a leash next week. Okay. Well, lots to talk about. We're running a little over an hour here. We'll wrap it up there, but we will be back next week. Hopefully have some great hitting, pitching stuff to talk about with Shohei Ohtani. We'll talk about all the things that happened in the series with Texas. It's going to be a fun time. It's baseball season officially. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, you can support our podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash section 138pod. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at section138pod as well. That just helps you stay up to date with everything you're doing. Um, we get some video content going there, as we were alluding to earlier. We got you know, our interview with Dan Schulman from last week. We put a little bit of video up on the socials. So check it out. And, uh, of course, always rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It just helps spread the word. Okay, thank you very much for listening. We're very excited for a full season of Blue Jay Baseball, and we'll catch you next time.